Cold Stove. We are back. Playoff hockey in full swing. Live from Austin, Texas, where the Texas Stars are in the Calder Cup playoffs. Shouts to Cedar Park, where I'll be playing uh, men's league in a little, uh, little later on today. NRD is back as well. How are you doing, brother? Doing well. It's playoff hockey. We got fights. We got triple overtime. We got, you know, third string goalies stealing games at Madison Square Garden. We got a lot of shit going on. We got Toronto ready to choke again in the playoffs. Ooh, Ooh. hate to say it. Hate to do it to you, Leafs fans. And you're in beautiful Austin, Texas, home of the future Austin Coyotes. So the future Austin Coyotes. Well, let me. You you mentioned something there that the triple overtime game. Let's dig right in. Let's jump right in. It's time to go. Let's go playoffs. Should that game have gone to overtime, in your opinion? And I'm talking very specifically about the Capo Caco goalie interference. Will they? Won't they? Call it. And because the the Rangers win that game four three, if that is. I called a good goal. In your humble opinion, NRD, from whether you watched the game under Gary Bettman's desk or from the rumor cave, what did you see there? It, it basically comes down to a judgment call. The, the way I, you know, and I've read the rule three or four times now since that happened, the way I interpreted it was as follows. It's a judgment call. The ref has to determine whether the goaltender's, you know, ability to play the shot, play the puck, was impeded by, you know, the opposing player. You could say that Dumoulin pushed him into uh, Smith. I don't know if he was pushed in. It's it's really hard to project whether Kako was going to hit him without being touched. He was clearly pushed, but we don't know if that path was going to take him through the goaltender anyway. Maybe it aided it, maybe it didn't. My issue and why I think the goal should have counted is because anytime you're overturning in sports, whether it's football, the NHL, you know, whatever, you have to have conclusive evidence to overturn a call. The call on the ice was a good goal. I don't know what in that two or three minute review that they saw that was conclusive when it is a judgment call, right? So Chris Lee on the ice makes in his best judgment that call that it's a good goal. To go and review that, to watch that again, and to think that that changes your judgment somehow, some way, when it really, like I said, it isn't clear whether Dumoulin assisted him, you know, into DeSmith or not. It, you could go either way. The call on the ice is a goal. I think you have to stick with that call on the ice. If it was called no goal on the ice, I'd fully support, you know, the call being no goal after the fact too. I just don't think there was enough there to overturn a call that's supposed to be in the best judgment of the referee in the moment. I completely agree with you. What it came down to for me is that if Brian Dumoulin did not exist in that play, does Capo Caco run into Casey DeSmith? And I don't think he does. Therefore, Brian Dumoulin... Uh, assisted Capo Caco's direction into the goaltender, which would preclude any goaltender interference. Therefore, we have a good goal on the ice. Yeah. I it's kind of my, uh, and, and you know this, I hate the Rangers, but that's my non-biased take on it. But that would have robbed us of a great three-overtime situation where Casey DeSmith, which maybe he was injured in that play. I didn't look like his groin or whatever lower body injury uh, was affected all that much, but obviously hits to tendies and in different positions can do all sorts of damage. But then we get Louis Demain, who by all accounts is starting tonight. Starting the rest of the series, presumably. If Tristan Tristan Jari is out of his boot. He's so out of we'll his see. boot. He's rehabbing. We know DeSmith's done for the series per Frank. So then if that's the case, we're uh, – where do your intuitions, your your spidey senses, your rumor senses lie 
in terms of the goaltending for the Penguins for the rest of the series. Well, by all accounts, the best goaltender in the playoffs versus the, uh, on paper, the worst goaltender in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's not a slight to Louis Domingue, but where my senses are going is that maybe Pittsburgh thought they could have survived the net with Casey DeSmith as they slowly rehab Tristan Jari, right? Like he was coming out of the boot. They don't, you know, it's about the player's health primarily. So they're not taking him out of the boot if he's not ready. He's probably getting out of his walking boot at this point anyway. I think it would have been more of a, hey, skate in the morning, skate, skate with the black aces on the ice before the playoff game, get warmed up, get loose. Maybe you'll be ready for the end of the series. Maybe you'll be ready for round two. I think where my sense is going now is that the emphasis is going to be on getting Tristan Jari ready to play as soon as possible. And I think that's whether Louis Domingue goes out there and steals another game or not. I just think that the the experience and the the leader slash backbone of your team in, <clears throat> you know, uh, Tristan Jari being out there is worth its weight in gold to a team like Pittsburgh to not have Louis Domingue in net. And like I said, that's not a slight against him. He played awesome in that triple overtime. He came in, what, halfway through the... Halfway through the second, second overtime, overtime and yeah. put up 17 saves after he came in. Yeah. And he got a couple He got a couple muffins to start. And if you're a goalie out there, you, you get a couple muffins to the chest to start any game, uh, your, your confidence goes up real quick. Yeah, and it's bad shot takes by the Rangers, but they were putting on the pressure and he stood tall. He stood tall throughout the entire rest of the second overtime, played extremely well in the third overtime. So I think we're going to see Tristan Jari sooner than later in this series. I hope so, too, because I think that would be uh, more fun. But big game tonight for the Rangers. Because you do not let a team that's galvanized by adversity, no Raquel tonight for the Penguins, no Louis, or excuse me, no Casey DeSmith, no Tristan Jari, don't let a team going through adversity get hot because then you have momentum, then you have a locker room, some sort of something to bind the team around, right? Don't let a team going through adversity get hot. Big game tonight at MSG. The other series you mentioned right off the top, we'll do all of them, was Toronto and Tampa. Now, game one, Tampa looked lost. A lot of the people that were like, oh, Tampa's tired. Tampa's played more than everybody. Tampa doesn't have their third line anymore. Looked to be true. And then last night happens. Nikita Kucherov said, uh, screw you guys. I will shoot more. And guess what that means? I will score. Your thoughts from Scotiabank NRD. This, like last night's game, was the series that we thought we were going to have. Not game one, which was a shock got, it, to me. It got a little hairy, by the way, in the third, too. It got close. When, Toronto started when, going. When it, when it was 5-3, I was like, ooh, this is a goal away from getting real good. Yeah, and then Tampa ended up playing really strong down the stretch. They closed out the game. This this game two of this series was much more how I thought this first round series was going to go. Tampa's just extremely experienced. Toronto isn't there yet. And, you know, I've said on this podcast a couple of times that it, it's like a dinosaur take, but I'm trying to balance it by I do think experience in the playoffs is extremely important. And when you have guys in that clubhouse like Nikita Kucherov, Andre Veslevsky, who was unbelievable coming off a loss in the playoffs. That's a stat for you. You know, Steven Stamkos. Ryan McDonald, all those guys there in Tampa, that will outweigh, you know, a team like the Leafs who are a little bit of a spring chicken syndrome. They're fresh. They come out. They're hot. They're flying. They dominated in game one, and they're kind of playing almost too loose. And at home, they have the crowd behind them. This is going to be a good series. I would not be surprised to see this go seven because I think it just is going to swing back and forth. The momentum is going to go and carry. 
I think that this series is dead and over. As I say, I believe it will go to seven because I think Toronto will win one. But I think the series is dead and over if Toronto can't get one out of playing away in Tampa. Yeah. The, what's the cliche? That series are, are not in jeopardy until you lose one at home. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Toronto just lost one at home. They're going to have to take one in Tampa going back to Toronto in order to make this a series. Because Tampa is too experienced. They're too talented. They're too explosive. And and they might be tired. They've played more games than anybody over the last three years. But that also gives them experience. Patty Maroon is Patty Maroon in the playoffs. Everybody knows this. Their third line now plays just as well as the old third line that everybody raves over. It could be. It could just be another one of those things where Tampa wins series 4-2, 4-2, 4-2, Stanley Cup. Yeah. You know, it, it could be that way. I hope it's not. For the sake of the Toronto Maple Leafs fans that listen to this this very podcast, I'm hoping for the best, boys and girls. I don't know. If last night happens again in Tampa, it could be over quick. For the sake of this podcast, if Toronto does go out in the first round, we're going to have a lot more to discuss in the offseason, I can tell you that much. Oh, we sure will. Uh, let's stay in the East. The series that does not look competitive right now is uh, Carolina and Boston. Is this the last of Patrice Bergeron that we're seeing in our day? It's the last of good Patrice Bergeron, I think we're seeing. It's It does seem like a changing of the guard in Boston right now, right? Like it seems very similar, to me at least. It draws a lot of parallels between what Boston's going through right now to the Rangers when they lost in the first round against Pittsburgh a couple of years prior to when, you know, the last year of Elaine Vigneault and they started that rebuild. rebuild. Mm-hmm. Or at least the, the last season they made the postseason, then they went into next season, missed the po- missed the playoffs, the letter went out, blah, 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 blah. That last playoff stand for the New York Rangers, you could tell, you saw it, you know, when you watched that series against Pittsburgh, it may have been 2017, that things were changing. Lundqvist was getting up there in age. These, these yeah, Lundqvist and, and uh, McDonough and, Rick Nash, and that kind they, of... That, yep. that group was done. And, and you you see it now with Boston. And I'm not saying that they're going to go anywhere else. You're not going to see, you know, Marshawn get traded or anything like that. But the, the powerhouse Bruins, the playoff staple, you're starting to see that change. And I think that that is what that series has been. That's the story of that series to me. Carolina is a young team. They're fresh. They're hungry. They don't have that experience, but they're just too good. I think things change now with uh, Coochie, as they call him in the net in Carolina. The legend of Piotr uh, Kochtikov? Kochtikov, I think. They call him Coochie, but Kochtikov, Kochtikov or whatever. Maybe things change there now. Maybe Boston has a full game going against this kid now to, uh, to, to swing the series back, but they're going back to TD Garden. We'll see what happens. But to me, it just seems like a changing of the guard in Boston. I tend to agree with you. They do, like like we just said, the series is not in jeopardy until you lose at home. So if they take both of them at the Garden, this is a whole brand new ball game. My biggest issue is with a backup goaltender in Antti Ranta. No offense to him. He's no, uh, he's no Freddie Anderson this year. You can't score more than a couple goals on Antti Ranta. And getting absolutely blitzed on on your own thing, and it's, you gotta you gotta give Allmark a break here. I mean, too many goals are going in. Even if it's not all on him, you, the boys need a spark. That's for sure. No Hampus Lindholm anymore. He's out. Things look bleak in Boston. Yeah, 
And a lot of a lot of good friends of mine are Boston Bruins fans, but things look bleak right now. And I hope it becomes a series. But uh things look bleak. Last series in the East, NRD, is the Capitals and Panthers. The pet the, the Capitals shot the world in game one, beaten up on the Panthers in Florida. Do you see the same happening uh in game two tonight with no Tom Wilson for the Capitals? No, I think Florida comes back and gets this done. In fact, there's a little NRD bets action for you. Ooh. Florida in regular okay. action. Um, but I do think Florida comes back. They tie the series up. The Capitals are a different team without Tom Wilson in the lineup in the playoffs. Stats show that. And Florida's a good hockey club. Yeah, was it a shot? To, it was it a shot across the bow to the entire National Hockey League for the Capitals to come back, win that game 4-2 with the empty netter in Carolina? I mean, uh, in Florida? Absolutely. But Florida's a damn good hockey club and they're not going down without a fight I, it's just how i see that series going i think florida ties it up one one they go back to the capital one center in you know dc in the nation's capital and i think it's a fresh clean slate from there i think the series starts in game three i like that take i i agree with you on tom wilson too it's it's he's one of those guys that makes everybody a little faster makes everybody a couple inches taller truculence and jam and all of the buzzwords that anthony stewart likes to uh pop out which i i don't i don't disagree with let me get that yeah very straight but uh yeah it that's the heart and soul of your team in the playoffs especially everybody kind of looks around in that locker room and says like oh who's gonna pick up the slack and they have guys to do it Uh, but everybody's a little bit more hesitant and i can see a florida team that's pissed off needs to get one come out and much like the next series we're going to talk about how about this segue Put up six on them. Like the Edmonton Oilers did last night, playing the LA Kings. They needed a win. They took game one personally. John Gibson didn't really stand on his head. Now, a lot of tips, a lot of interesting goals. Um, wouldn't call it all uh, John Gibson's fault. But Edmonton bounced back in our DNA. Vander Kane, former Buffalo Sabre, looks as good as I've seen Evander Kane play. And I don't think we've ever really questioned his on-ice presence. It's a lot of off-ice issues. Did you stay up uh, stay up late to watch the game out west, NRD? I did. I'm going to uh, play a little cold stove intern on you here. It was Jonathan Quick, not Jonathan Gibson. So there's a correction. Qu- the okay. Okay. Thank you. Sorry about that. Quick, Gibson, they both play in L.A. They're both same. Jonathans that play in L.A. They're both – yeah, right, right. Listen, right. you'd rather hear it from me than the audience out there because they're brutal. Trust me. I did say Eric Lindros wasn't in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I got – shit on for that we're now we're now we're even we're even we are tied up brett no edmonton needed the win last night they did it in dominating fashion could you say that edmonton should have won game one as well yeah i think he placed the blame on mike smith um it's a tough he plays the puck way too much nrd i every time he does it i like hold my breath of, oh my god stop doing yeah, that it's, it's, just stay in your net you uh you clinch up you get a little tight when john uh when yeah. mike smith is playing the puck but you could argue that they should have won that game in spite of that. But then again, I think on the flip side, game one, it was the Edmonton that we've seen of years past where it was Connor McDavid-led on the offensive side of things. I know Kaylor Yamamoto scored a goal um, to tie it up in the third period or whatever, but McDavid scored that highlight reel to get it started for Edmonton. And it was McDavid and that first line driven. They didn't really have a deep enough roster or a deep enough lineup that night to win game one. They come out in game six. They prove everybody wrong. They dominate. Once again, I think this is a series that starts again in Game 3. I don't think that I could 
I don't think I could safely say from game one or game two that either team really has the upper hand here. I think you're going back to LA, the crypto center, not the Staples Center anymore, the crypt, as they call it in LA. <laughs> and it's a wide open series. Jonathan Quick's going to have to play like vintage Jonathan Quick. He did play like that in game one. We did not see that yesterday. Like you said, probably wasn't his fault completely, but vintage Johnny Quick's going to need to steal some games or it's the retirement for home for Dustin Brown sooner than later, honestly. I know. Yeah, they. It's kind of a we we talked about LA's roster. They've had the biggest, you know, the biggest prospect pool over the last probably three or four years. But you look at their team, and it's Tustin Brown, it's Andre Kopitar, it's Adrian Kempe, it's Jonathan Quick. It's it's a it's a lot of veteran led, you know, a veteran presence on that team. So uh, you know, I don't count them out. Biz was called them. Uh, what do you say? They're an AHL glorified AHL club yeah. with all the guys on there that that are. Are Ontario Rain alumni? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they are, but they have the veterans to get the job done. Now, I have a uh, a new entry NRD into the Brett Merriman team of guys that I would like to start my own. Can team I take with. a guess? Sure. I did not. I don't know. I'm prefacing this by I have no clue. Sean Dersey. Ooh, good one. Not Ooh. him. But but yes. Now that I think about it, the only thing I don't like about Sean Jersey is he seems to uh, play the game like on the ice. He is he is like Dominic Hasek as a forward. He is sprawled out half the time. Like he'll go dive for a puck. He, he'll make a move. He'll just like spin around on his knees. He falls over so much, and it's hilarious. I noticed that last night. But no, it's Warren Fogle. Oh. Part of my favorite, potentially my favorite fourth line in hockey: Fogle, McLeod, and Zach Cassian, who was an a, a horse last night. He was running people and like smartly running people. I love their fourth line. And they were put out in situations where it's like, okay, you guys, like this is a big time situation. Getting offensive zone starts and whatnot. I was like, okay, go off. Uh, but like the more, and I'll tell you what, we'll do this later on. We're going to go through playoff, uh, Stanley Cup odds later. There's some value up uh, north of the border in oil country. Plus eighteen hundred right now to win the cup. Just saying, just saying. But um, excited to see where that series goes. I think Edmonton, uh, if they get hot, watch out. If they can keep Connor and Leon on separate lines, with Nuge providing uh, help like he did in Warren Fogel. Warren Fogel, you know what I noticed about him? I'll, I'll backtrack here. He plays the game like McDavid. He's got those quick crossovers that Evander Kane has learned from him. Warren Fogel has learned from him. They accelerate with those quick crossover steps, and it's sort of this like this skating hack that some of the fastest players in the league have learned over the last five or six years. And McDavid was the first one to it's do it. It's funny that you mention that because you watch when you watch, and I know a lot of people on the East Coast don't you know haven't been able to, but now with ESPN Plus maybe you can um, mm -hmm. watch the Edmonton Oilers play. And it's interesting that you bring that up because I've noticed that not so much in Warren Fogle but in Evander Kane. Mm -hmm. That absolutely Evander Kane. Still a shitbag for all I'm concerned. Has been playing the game a lot better being around Connor McDavid. He looks like he's trying to play the game like Connor McDavid plays the game. So mm -hmm. whether that's something McDavid, maybe he holds a uh, a skills clinic after practice every day. I don't know. Or if it's just film study. But it seems like, you know, through osmosis, the Edmonton Oilers lineup is a team that's playing fast and they're playing like Connor McDavid plays the hockey game. 
they they see McDavid the way he plays, and and there are guys. Kyler's one of them. Warren Fogel's one of them. Evander Kane is absolutely one of them. Even Leon. Leon's faster than I give him credit for. And he's playing the game like McDavid. It's crazy. You can kind of see it. it you're, it's this osmosis. Now, my concern with them is defense. Like can, it, Cody Cece is playing a billion minutes. And I don't think anybody is in love with that. No. Mike Smith playing the puck every five seconds. I don't think anybody's in love with that. I am from so, an entertainment standpoint. Sure. So Edmonton's going to say, can we win this Stanley Cup by beating everybody 6-4? to four? And maybe they can. Maybe that's their goal against Colorado if they get there. Let's get a track meet going. Because we're fast enough to sort of... You can't, you can't play super physical against them without taking runs or without getting out of position because they're fast enough to, to kind of go around you and, and beat you like that. But that's going to be how they get beat. If somebody can body them up and Darnell Nurse and, and Zach Hyman and Zach Cassian can't return the favor, as one might say, that's where they get in trouble. But that's a team I like. I think I'm, uh, speaking of NRD bets, I think I'm going to sprinkle that, if you will. Uh, let's go to the Blues Wild. Some uh, A lot of people saying this is like the most intriguing series. This is their favorite series. They're, this is this. This is that. What say you about the Central Division rivalry? Marc-Andre Mark Fleury, not the goalie that I thought the Minnesota Wild acquired in Game 1. I think in Game 2 he was. Yeah, interesting with the, how well Talbot had played. And I think it was Wyshynski or Merrick mentioned this on their, on their pod uh, yesterday, said Fleury's got the proven track record coming out of the bullpen in the playoffs to give your team a spark, whether it's tied or down one, to be that guy. And especially given how well Cam Talbot has played down the stretch, are you are you slighted if you're Cam Talbot, or is it just totally uh, uh, an experience thing? I don't know if you're slighted now if you're Cam Talbot. I think that those feelings of being slighted happened in March at the deadline. You knew exactly why they brought in Mark Andre Fleury. It, it is for the experience. You knew that this was how. If you're Cam Talbot, at least, I mean, he went out there and played his ass off, and I think he's well deserving of the crease. But you knew exactly, you know, that that bed was made. That story was written when Bill Guerin went out and acquired Marc-Andre Fleury at the deadline. They're going to use this guy in the playoffs. You know, game one was a struggle. I thought it was really interesting in game one, just to backtrack a couple of games now. David Perron had that hat trick. Did you notice he scored every single one of those goals in the exact same way? I don't think so. I don't think I did. Every single goal. And maybe we'll put this up on the, uh, the uh, Cold Stove Show account. Okay. Every single goal was scored sitting in the, you know, if you're looking down, if you're attacking on the net, in the left face-off circle, off a rebound, off of Marc-Andre Fleury's pad on the power play. Every single goal was scored the exact same way. Fleury tightened up those rebounds in game two, they, they win the game. So yep. I think Marc-Andre Fleury's performance is directly linked. I mean, goes without being said, I know this is going to sound like no shit, but I think it's really directly tied into the way Marc Andre Fleury performs, really holistically. I don't think Minnesota Wild. I don't think the Minnesota Wild team is good enough to overcome poor play of their goaltender. They're like they're not Edmonton. They're not going to win Game Six Four. Right. I think that if Minnesota right. no. lets up four goals, they're cooked. The Blues have a problem as well, and that's on the injury front. Nick Letty 
uh, Robert Bortuzzo and Marco Scandella all out. Did you like uh, Kaprizov's double hat trick? Yeah. Scores, scores his third goal, goals disallowed, hats are on the ice, then rescores his hat trick goal, and more hats come out. I like somebody uh, on Twitter saying, what, what caused you to throw the hat the second time and not the first time? Yeah, like why would you hold back? Right. If you're going to lose the hat, lose the hat. You know, you just second opportunity. Maybe that's a sign. They're like, all right, you know what? I'm going to do it. I almost wish um, that when that happens, it's almost like a false start in track and field. Like they re-rack them up. So like they got to give everybody their hats back. Everybody gets your hat. You, everybody, they just dish them back out to the yeah. crowd. Like, hold the up, ice crew hold starts up, hold throwing up. them back over the glass the other way. So we're able to refire once the, uh, the hat trick is completed. <laughs> uh, you know who stores a hat trick on the, on the daily basis for me, NRD, is my 10,000 shorts. Huge. Huge, huge fan of the highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable training shorts that I have ever worn. I'm rocking their seven inch interval shorts on the reg. They're maroon. They have a uh, cell phone pocket, no bounce technology. I pretty much wear them for for every chance I get for a workout. Got to wash them every now and then. But uh, between that and their versatile shirt, which is a long sleeve shirt that I've been wearing under my hockey pads for men's league. By the way, have you, have you seen my chin here? I. Yeah, we, we might have to revisit that. Yeah, seven stitches in the old chin playing men's league. Um, but my interval shorts and my uh, versatile shirt have been, always been there for me. NRD, what are you rocking with from 10,000? Uh, I am from 10, actually, 000? so it's a little cold in parts unknown right now, so I'm not rocking the interval short today. But I am wearing the long sleeve underneath my uh, sweatshirt How about that? that I got on. So shouts to 10,000. I am rocking the long sleeve. I got it in a navy blue. It's comfortable. It gets the job done. What I do like there is you go. when I wear it to work out, it doesn't really stink afterwards. No, it's it's non-stink technology. I think there's actually they actually have a thing. Yeah, no, it's that's like, what I'm uh, saying. It doesn't. I, and I'm always I'm always like weary of hearing that it doesn't stink mm-hmm. after I work out. Maybe I'm not working out hard enough. It's here's what it is. It's silver ion odor protection. There it is. I don't even know what ions are, but it's got it, and it does its job. And it's breathable. It's got lightweight shell fabric. Like I said, the no-bounce phone pocket and an optional liner, by the way, if you want that, which is very comfortable and prevents chasing or chafing, which nobody wants, especially this time of year. It's getting hotter outside. It, chafing is, is my worst nightmare. So that's why 10,000 is here to help. The brand believes in being better than yesterday with a stoic dedication to continuous improvement, not overnight success. They have a team of over 200 athletes that tests their gear to ensure the perfect design, fabric, trims, and fit. They also offer free shipping and free returns and a lifetime guarantee. Seriously, I just, the, the way to sum it up, do you want to train better by not thinking about what you're wearing on your, on your bottoms or your top because they just help you train and help you work out and help you play flag football and men's league hockey? And they help you look good. Because remember what Deion exactly. Sanders said. You look good. Look good. You feel good. You feel good. You play good. You play good. You get paid good. Amen. Amen. 10,000 is offering listeners the Cold Stove Podcast 15% off your purchase. Go to 10,000.cc slash stove to receive 15% off your purchase. That is 10,000.cc slash stove. Next up. In the series NRD, we have uh, what was one of the more anticlimactic games of night one of the NHL playoffs, and that is the Avalanche versus the Predators. Was it 5 nothing in the first? Sorry, I'm a little confused. I thought 
Colorado had a first round bye this year. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, well, they kind of do. No, uh, you know what? I'm not going to do that to Nashville. I like Nashville. I like the Predators. It's such that UC Soros got hurt. David Riddick, love the story, love the guy. He wasn't great. Five goals on 13 shots. Enter Connor Ingram, which a lot of the fans on Twitter are saying, it better be Ingram's start tonight. What say you, NRD? It better be Ingram's start tonight because Riddick's no good, and neither is that team. I- I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really – the only – so we did a bracket challenge. I know I kind of sprung that on you late. You were you were out. You were busy, but I set one up for the Cold Stuff Pot. I think we got some listeners in there too. I'm putting you. I'm putting you in charge of the prize. You figure out what you know. Whoever wins this bracket, one of our listeners, you're in charge of the prize. But I maybe you'll get the first ever Cold Stove merchandise. Yeah, How about I that? I don't hate that. Well, after me, of course, I want that Cold Stove merch too. Um, That's fair. But it's the only series that I predicted to be a sweep. I believe. Ooh. So, by the way, Connor Ingram is starting tonight per the national. Party. There you go. So I still think Colorado is just way too good. They're going to outgun. They're going to outpower Nashville. Um, I don't think Colorado has to win game seven by scoring seven in the playoffs. I think they just will because they can. And at least that's how mm-hmm. the first round is going to go. I don't think this is over. I think this is over in four or five games tops. Maybe maybe playing in front of the uh, the crowd there at the Hockey Tonk in Smashville gets them going. Otherwise, four or five games, Colorado's on to the second round. I'm going to say five games. Nashville steals one at home. Colorado wins the series at home. It's kind of a gentleman's sweep, right? That's what that's that's what we're calling yep. it. Last series we want to talk about is the Stars Flames series, the late night. Is there a better hockey environment to watch a game, whether it's on TV or whatever, than Calgary in the playoffs when they're doing the red thing? It is so cool looking. Only matched by Winnipeg doing the whiteout. Also matched cool. by Arizona doing the whiteout. All right. Austin. Well, you remember Arizona made it. There was an Arizona Western Conference Finals run not too long ago. I know that's crazy. I know. It is wild to think about. But, uh, no, I think it's really cool. Did you see the picture on Twitter of the one Dallas Stars fan? <laughs> no, I got I to say that. Maybe that's another one for the show account. But it's just the sea of red. And there's literally, when I tell you literally, one guy in a green jersey. Oh, one guy so cool. in victory green. <laughs> that's it. Like that's one. Great. Not even two, not four in a crowd of 2,000. One guy in a sea of red jerseys. It's a fantastic environment. Too bad they can't get a new arena going because I know that place is kind of like a shit barn at this point. But I know. It really it, is. But it looks cool from the out. Like the saddle, it looks cool. Yeah. But the inside is just not, does not, is not up to snuff. No, it's, put it that it's way. a rodeo center. I mean, Calgary's deep in the rodeo and the stampede history. And they happen to play hockey there every once in a while. It's like Cow Palace. It's like, remember when the Sharks played at Cow Palace? Oh, yeah. And if you're uh, Quebec City, you're Quebecois, you're like, what the hell is this shithole? We have the new, the second newest arena in the whole, like, in, in the whole country. They didn't even get the the World Juniors. How about yeah, that? Yeah, it's in Halifax, right? Mm-hmm. Tough. It's tough. Tough to be from Quebec City. Just kidding. It's a beautiful city. Love it no, up there. Mont Tremblant. Beautiful. Tough to be from Quebec City. <laughs> Here we go, NRD, with your uh, NRD bets for the Stanley Cup. Ready for this? Colorado plus 300. I think that's they're the favorite. That's probably uh, standard. Carolina and Florida. 
Coming next, it's plus 650. Little value there, potentially, if you want to go heavy. And then we have Tampa, Toronto, and the Rangers, 1,100, 1,000, and 1,300, respectively. I don't hate any of those bets, except maybe not the Rangers. I don't think it's their time yet. But Tampa and Toronto, Tampa plus 1,100. And then my favorite bet, Edmonton plus 1,800. I'm, I'm betting on it right now as we speak live on the Cold Stove Podcast. You can see my hands I moving NRD. Here we go. I can verify, sources confirm, as explained to me, that Brett Merriman is placing money on the Edmonton Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. Now, that being said, I am going to ride with my, while Brett does this, I'm going to ride with my value play from before the playoffs. I think the Minnesota Wild, if they can get out of this first round and survive this series, I think they have the ability to grind out against any other team remaining in the West. I think a team like a Minnesota or a team like the Rangers is the type of bet that you make. You place it on that team. They win a couple of rounds. They get to the conference finals. You cash that bitch out for like double your double your money. That's where I look at those teams, right? That's a value play. Mm-hmm. It was like a I smart totally bet. Agree. It was a, that's a value play. You're not going to put it on. I'm Colorado. throwing. I'm throwing darts. I'm throwing darts. You're making. Uh, you're making moves. Yeah. That's what we're doing here. We maybe we'll give uh, intern Adam a uh, a free bet too or something. Don't like that. hate it. He's a stars guy, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of stars, last thing I'll say on that series before we move on, they have one line, NRD. And if they're not getting secondary scoring at all, they don't have a chance. How do they turn that around? Because I'll bet you, I'll tell you what, if you told Bones that this game is going to be one nothing. Or you get to score two goals to win. He's probably like, great, we can do that. We can't score five, but we can score two. They scored zero. What happens tonight? How do they get that line going? How do they get their secondary scoring going? Can they acquire some secondary scoring at the deadline? Oh, shit, we're past that. That's uh, uh, We are. A little yep. late for, yep. for yep. Dallas. Um, you know, I don't know if this is Bones' last year behind the bench in the National Hockey League. I think that from... From what I've heard, it is. Regardless, I think it's time for him to uh, to go back to the cottage. But, you know, they I, – I don't want to beat up on the Stars fans because I know intern Adam is one. I know there's many great Stars fans. I know you're in Stars territory. It's going to be tough for you to walk outside in public after I say this about the Dallas Stars. But they kind of oh – they, they, they made that bed. They decided to rock with Joe Pavelski as their kind of – in-house free agent or in-house deadline acquisition. They stuck with what they had. They didn't really add depth on the blue line. And that's it. And they just said, we're rolling in. We're living by the sword and dying by the sword. So the fact that they can't get secondary scoring, there were times where it was streaky in the regular season too. It's not unlike the Dallas Stars that we've seen for all 82. So, you know, I hate to say like you're kind of shit out of luck, but you are. You Nothing really got done, which is okay. They weren't in a spot, you know, at the deadline where they thought that they can go for it. But they're a product of what they did for 82 games. Yep. Man, that is an old team, too. Sagan's 30. Ben's 32. Pavelski's 37. Radulov's 35. Uh, Glenn Denning's 33. Raffle's 33. Nemestikov, 29. I, that is an old team getting towards the end of that any window that they had. And they had a great run a couple of years ago when they lost to St. Louis. But the time is now, Dallas. 
put the puck in the net or uh, or we got to make things happen in the offseason. All right, let's move on out of the playoffs. Can't wait for tonight. Big games all over the place. Let's get into the uh, uh, kind of the newsy side of things, the NRD side of things, the rumors, speculation. Starting with Mike Yo, who is no longer the coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. Do you have any speculation on what happened there and who may replace him in Philadelphia? I, I still think there's some uh, correlation between who's replacing Rick Tockett on the TNT set next year, if that gives you any clue to what direction that front office might go. And I think Tockett's got a shot at that mm-hmm. job. I think he's the right man for that team based on what Chuck Fletcher, Dave Scott, a potentially increased role Danny Briere want to do, and that's compete sooner than later. I think Tockett's the guy who's worked with some young players in, in his time in Arizona, but he's also a coach that's been around the league, has the experience to win. He was behind the bench as an assistant for this, uh, the Penguin Stanley Cup wins. So he's kind of that best of both worlds. I don't think you go all, all in on a Tortorella. I don't think you go all in on a developmental guy. I think that, you know, Chuck Fletcher has been working the phones behind the scenes since Mike Yo's firing to see who's potentially interested in interviewing for that job. It's going to be a smorgasbord of every candidate. I think that it's going to be an extensive search. I don't think you're going to see Ralph Kruger's name come up, but they're going to be <laughs> looking. And, you know, Yikes. to this rumor that there's going to be some front office shakeups, I don't think that things aren't going to change in the front office in Philly. I don't know if it's as far to say that Danny Breer becomes the full-time GM. Maybe he gets an assistant GM's job. I think that he is in the path of secession there in Philadelphia. I don't know if his time is now, but you're going to see Danny Breer in an increased role in that front office. You could potentially see Dave Scott move up and out. You could potentially see Chuck Fletcher hold on to his GM job and also kind of move, you know, into a president role or an advisory role with the board there in the, uh, the organization. But I still think that if you're going after a guy that's going to mesh with what the plan is for Chuck Fletcher and co, and that's to compete in a year or two, I think Rick Tockett's your man. So bottom line, a, a lot is happening. A lot, yeah. With that I just said a lot to show that a lot is happening. Goodness. Well, hey, you know what? You, I think Philly needs it. I think Philly needs it. They haven't been – they've been competitive, but they haven't been the Philadelphia Flyers of like 2010, 2011, 2012, you know, with, the, with those teams that were seemingly always in the Eastern Conference Finals. They need a they need a, a regroup, maybe not a teardown, but a, certainly a regroup in Philadelphia, and I think that starts above the roster that they have. Uh, speaking of coaches that are out, Detroit will be searching for a new coach, as will the Winnipeg Jets. Do you see those th- those two being filled sooner than later, or is this a Steve Eiserman like we have this roster exactly where we want it? Blasel's done the development side of things. Now we need a guy who can win. So is there, uh, does like uh, John Tortorella, maybe an Alain Vigneault make sense in uh, Detroit? I'm not going to begin to even act like I know what Steve (laughs) Eisenman is thinking. But I can tell you, to your point, I think that this job is probably the most appealing coaching job we've seen in, you know, five or six years. That core is Mm -hmm. ready in Detroit. I mean, you're going to have the Calder winner, the Calder runner-up, the Calder winner that potentially should have some Norris first-place votes. Like, they're ready. I mean, you can talk about Alex Ndelkovich. 
maybe being that last guy, it's like, is he the guy in that? We don't know for sure. But the core of that team, you got Dylan Larkin, the veteran there, the leader, the captain in the clubhouse. You got Lucas Raymond. You got Mo Sider. You have guys there. Your core, I just named three players. And yeah, they're the three most known players because that's the core. That's how a team works. And those three guys, right. I would go into battle with, you know, nine times out of 10 and probably come out ahead. Think of that core you have. They have another high draft pick coming. I mean, that has got to be like the roster's already built. They just need a guy to to steer the ship now. They need a guy who knows how to win. Yeah. And that's why I mentioned maybe like a Bruce Boudreau if things don't work out in Vancouver. Weirdly, the, the Rutherford comments I want to ask you about as well basically said, yeah, Bruce is awesome, but he only did it for, you know, half a year or whatever. I was like, well, yeah, yeah, that's what they do. They come in and they, they prove that they can make the team better. Now, a lot of the analytics say, yeah, they were pretty much the same team, just better results. He didn't do all that much outside of the, the locker room presence. But I don't, I don't want to start throwing names like Tortorella, Vigneault, and Boudreaux, maybe a Paul Maurice in Detroit. I could very much, though, see that being a, for lack of a better term, a retread coach who has done it before, who's won before, etc. Maybe a, uh, how about a Mark Recchi? Recently fired by the New Jersey Devils. Maybe he's an option in Philly. Maybe he's an option in Detroit. What do you know there? I don't know much there, but I thought there was another name that I thought you were going to mention. I think who's we'll that? see as the offseason progresses. I don't know how safe Pete DeBoer is. Oh. In Vegas. Ah, uh, okay. I think his ice is thin. Maybe if he hangs around through the offseason, he's on thin ice going into next year. They, they certainly uh disappointed with their all-star and team not making the playoffs. Huh. That's such a shame. They're certainly not an organization that subscribes to patience. So can't imagine. No. So I think Pete De, from what I know, I think Pete DeBoer is on or from what I know, I do know, not I think, um, with confidence, can say that Pete DeBoer is on thin ice. So I think he's a good hockey coach, DeBoer. I think that the yeah. Vegas Golden Knights organization is just so driven to win, and it, it could be a good thing and a bad thing, right? Because it's a good thing that you want to win that bad and you want to get a Stanley Cup in the building. I think it could be a bad thing because they're going to continue to turn over and turn over and turn over to the point where, you're not going to have people want to work for you or play for you. Yeah, I, th I, th I think you're right. Interesting to see there. They got uh, they got their team of All-Stars going up against the, the League of Misfits going back to Buffalo at some point. This should be a fun game. Anyway, you, you talked about Pete DeBoer being on thin ice. You know he's not on thin ice. Our friends over at Movement Watches and RD – Movement has changed the game. Plain and simple. They make $500 watches, or what looks like $500 watches, for a fraction of the price. The quality is there. The precision's there. The look is there. The feel is there. I have, personally, my favorite watch I've ever owned. Now a Movement watch. It is a black-faced, rose-gold Band. I've never been a metal band guy until now, thanks to Movement Watches. There was two guys who said 
screw it. We don't want, you know, you know, all these other brands do watches for so much more expensive. They said, you know, let's, let's just, let's just break the rules. So fair prices, unexpected colors, and clean original designs movement grew into one of the fastest growing watch brands shipping to over 160 countries from across the globe. They also have expanded into blue light glasses that protect your eyes from screens, minimalist jewelry as well, and more styles that don't break the bank, all designed in California. What are you rocking with, NRD, with movement? I have, I don't know the exact name, but it's right there, right off screen. <laughs> I promise. It's the blue, it's all blue. I think it's called Baltic blue. I want to say Ooh, it's Baltic okay. blue. It's just, a, it's kind of like a slate, like a steel blue. All the way around. The bezel's blue. The band's blue. It's a metal band. Blue face. Blue everything. It's kind of that cool thing. You throw it on with the blazer. It's casual, but it looks a little fancy. Probably one of my favorite things that we've, you know, we've had the chance to, you know, do an ad read for on this show. I I love my watch. I wear it every day. There you go. And I look like I'm wearing a million dollar watch. There you go. Here You heard it here first. Myself and NRD, we're rocking our movements Every day, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, and if you want to elevate your look with style that doesn't break the bank, then join the movement and get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash stove. Again, that's mvmt.com slash stove. Well, college hockey for you, NRD. You ready? Let's go for it. Nate Lehman has extended uh, his contract in Providence a lot. Every, every year that name comes up, Nate Lehman whether it's the Buffalo Sabres job a couple of years ago, whether it's the Boston College job, he is always being talked about as the next coach. Him and Ricard Gronborg, right? Now he's staying in Providence for a couple of years. Uh, your thoughts on Nate Lehman and his name popping up? There's a reason why I didn't mention him in the last segment because he just signed that extension in Providence. He's committed there. Teams have tried. He's similar to uh, similar to David Quinn when he left uh BU to coach the New York Rangers. I think it's it's really going to take the right fit for for Lehman and his family, and you know for his values and everything to move on from Providence. I mean, the New York Rangers job was a dream job for for David Quinn, as he had said many times. I don't know what the dream job is for Nate Lehman, but I think it's going to have to take that level of opportunity for him to leave the college hockey ranks and for him to leave Providence. Jay Pandolfo is the new head coach of Boston University. I don't think that's officially confirmed yet, but they uh, they put up the graphic at Nickerson Field, which is like their all-purpose, used to be their football stadium kind of thing, yep. with just his, score, his face on a scoreboard. So uh, Jay Pandolfo, former New Jersey Devil, now the coach at BU, trying to turn that program around. What say you on Jay Pandolfo? Great New Jersey Devil. Great hockey player. Flies oh, under the radar. Really good right? hockey player. It's You know what? It's... Our childhood guys now, it's, isn't it funny that, you know, Briere and Recky and Pandolfo and Marty St. Louis, everybody from like 2000, NHL 2004, yeah. is uh, they are all very much in the coaching ranks now. Which it is hurts crazy. a little bit. It hurts. And it's also like we talk about, you know, I can't really tell you how he's going to be as a coach because I watched him, you know, win a Stanley Cup as a player with the New Jersey Devils. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. It's, it's kind of like a non-answer, a good answer, non-answer is like, couldn't tell you how the guy coaches, but he's a hell of a player. Great <laughs> third liner on the New Jersey Devils. So, you know, take that for what you will. Uh, the Devils have parted ways with Nazardine and Recky, like we said, but no Lindy Ruff just yet. Do you stand by your NRD prediction 
that he will no longer be the head coach of the Devils. I mean, I would, I'm, you don't have to pull punches on me. It was a rumor. <laughs> it's something that I heard. It wasn't a prediction. It was That was an educated guess, as they say, as the youths of today say. Um, I think that's a conversation that still is going to happen between Tom Fitzgerald, you know, Harris Blitzer, and in Lindy Ruff. I don't think that he's necessarily the guy. Obviously, the, you had to, and this is not, I'm going to preface this by saying it's not supposed to be disparaging towards, you know, Alan Nasruddin and Mark Reckie, but you had to take out the trash first, right? Like, you weren't trash, but you have to erase the stink. I mean, Nasruddin was the interim after John Hines. He got to stick around. We've talked about why I didn't think that was a good idea, but you have to kind of get rid of that first. Let's let's wipe the slate clean. Lendy Ruff, hey, now let's have this conversation with you. Do you feel like you're the man for this job? Who do you want to bring in on your coaching staff? I think that's extremely important to the front office in New Jersey as well. I think they genuinely want to have that conversation and see what the the three-year plan is for Lindy Ruff, who he's bringing in as his assistants. Um, and I think that could determine a lot of things too. It happens in a lot of sports where that conversation between front office and coach and says, like, what is your plan? What is your plan for skills? What is your plan for, you know, your skills coach, your goaltending coach, your analytics, your assistants? Like, I think that's more important to Lindy Ruff's job security at this point than anything else. I think they're genuinely giving him the chance to fill those roles. But they want to see how he's going to do it before they make that determination, before they concrete anything. Speaking of next year, Marty St. Louis returning uh, to the Montreal Canadiens. By all accounts, the contract is just about done there. Your thoughts on his first year and what he did, and now with the first overall draft pick, presumably, or excuse me, the best odds at it, what you look for next year from a Marty St. Louis? Drafts in Montreal, right? It sure is. Yeah, so they have the first overall pick. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, he coached really well. He got a lot out of that team. I mean, they're not a good hockey club. They're not going to be a good hockey club for a couple of years. A lot of question marks in that. Katie Primo appears to be the guy of the future, potentially. Shouts to the Northeastern Huskies. Yeah, shouts to the Huskies. Carey Price hanging around. We don't know really what we have in Carey Price anymore, whether he's going to be there, whether he's not, if it's a two-garass situation. But they're not going to be good yet. And that's okay. They're not supposed to be good yet. I think that Marty St. Louis is the perfect coach for a team that's not going to be good yet. And maybe Martin St. Louis, more experienced, more games under his belt, becomes a coach that you want on your bench when you're good. But right now he's a developmental coach and they're a developmental team and they have young guys and they're going to have Shane Wright. And maybe they're going to have Connor Bedard next year or Matt Vemichkov as well. And that's no shame in that game either. And then I think we reassess Marty St. Louis as a coach at that point. But in terms of his first season behind the bench in Montreal, he's done nothing but bring the best out of the guys that they had there. And Suzuki and Cole Caulfield looks like a different player, you know, since Marty St. Louis took over. He's really unleashed him. So, you know, A++ in terms of making, you know, life hands you lemons, make lemonade. I think Marty St. Louis did just that with some of the young guys there. A++ in my book for what he's been able to do in this, you know, 40, 35, 40 game stretch. Yeah, and I think that uh, you you hit the nail on the head, with, especially with the Caulfield and Suzuki, because if you're going to build your team around those guys, which by all accounts they are, you need to unlock them. And Marty St. Louis has done that. So he passed the most critical test. Now they got rid of Toffoli. Like not got rid of, right, is, is harsh. They traded Tyler Toffoli for assets to build a franchise. Perfect, okay. The, the, the roster needs some work. Jeff Petrie, does Jeff Petrie want to be a, a Canadian right now? He's 34. He's got a bunch of years left on his contract at 6.25. Probably wants to go win a cup somewhere, at least have the opportunity. Look for Jeff Petrie to be traded. 
uh, this offseason. The one coaching thing that I wanted to see, uh, I want to get your thoughts on. I had this thought, but I'm watching Daryl Sutter at this moment do a press conference in a flannel, in a button-down flannel, just absolutely killing the look. Could you see there being an opening if Daryl Sutter decides to hang him up if Calgary goes the distance this year? Yeah. I could and, too. Go back to the farm and do what he really wants to do. But how intriguing is that job? And I'm not, I don't think it is completely because there's some question marks there. I mean, we've talked about Johnny Goudreau and the pending free agency that he has. I think the organization is committed to him resigning there. And I think the player more so than ever before is leaning that direction. I had reported, you know, on this very podcast, going back towards the deadline, I think that the questions of Gaudreau walking in free agency to potentially go home to the Philly, New York, New Jersey area, you know, is it a possibility? Absolutely. Is it locked? Is it sharpied in? I don't think so anymore. I think that as Calgary has continued to have success, I think that Johnny Gaudreau is not opposed to staying in Calgary if, uh, Calgary if they give him a fair wage, if they cut him a fair deal, and they can win some hockey games. And I think that's where they're at now. And I think the organization, you know, traveling in that front office is absolutely committed to keeping Johnny Gaudreau there. I think that's priority numero uno. So on the on the good side, you have that, that the organization's fully supportive of bringing him back. And they're going to, you know, exhaust all options. On the bad side, there is still that looming for that position. If that head coaching position is open, you lose, you know, a 100-point 100, 100 scorer in Johnny Gaudreau. No doubt. No doubt. Interesting to see. They got to win the uh, – or they, at least they have to go far first. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. They play tonight. Okay, let, let's go to the uh, the whip rounds side of things, shall we, NRD? Let's go. The USA World Championship roster was released today. My one question for you is, do you care? No. I don't either. Sorry, I don't care. Why? Like, I don't. I don't understand why. Why do it? It's during the playoffs. Like, is it, you, There's no TV revenue behind it. It's not the best guys. It'd be fun to make into like a, these guys need contracts and maybe this guy shelved them this year but wants to come back or this guy sucked this year and wants a chance. It'd be fun to do it that way. But at this point, like, what, what is it? What, 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 what are you playing for here? A world championship. Cool. It's not the World Cup and it's not the Olympics. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. Tier. I can't get up for it. No, nor should you. Can you get up for three on three ice hockey NRD? Shouts to Budgie Malone making a roster there. Oh. I was going to no? make a. Yes, uh, no. I was gonna, <laughs> no, I caught myself. I was going to make a Ryan Malone joke. Oh, come a, on. He uh, doesn't need jokes. A, uh, a nose candy joke, but I, I took it Oh, back. come on. Budgie's a good guy, and well, I'll, I'll watch three on three. Fun. I don't really have an opinion either way on it, uh, but I'll give it a chance. Yeah. How about uh, the AHL playoffs happening currently? Your Rochester Americans coming back from 3 nothing in uh, to win it, in, excuse me, 3 nothing in the third to win it in overtime. Whose bandwagon are you on for the Calder Cup playoffs? In our day? I am... Riding with the 
Uh-oh. Drum roll, please. Rochester Americans, because you just Let's mentioned go. them, and I'm not going to... This segment has been the shakedown of NRD, right? I've been a little bit out of pocket <laughs> recently. Those on Twitter have known that. I haven't really been paying much attention to anything but the NHL playoffs. So you mentioned the Rochester Americans won a game. I'm riding with your Rochester Americans, Brett. Let's go. They're playing the Belleville Senators currently for uh, a right to play the juggernaut Utica Comets. Just the battle of uh, Western New York and Canada. Something like that. Well, you, Utica, I'll call it Central New York. I, 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 Utica's got a soft spot in my heart, man, but God, that city sucks. No offense to our Utica. They like put one in Saratoga. Albany's got a team or had a team, maybe. I don't know. Do they have a they team? They don't right have now? a team anymore. I don't think. That's sad. Utica has a team and Albany doesn't, and Glens Falls doesn't anymore, right? Yeah. The Adirondack, they used to have the Adirondack Thunder. Holy cow. Have Figure it, it out. Binghamton slash Broom County, Broom Dusters. Remember the Broom Dusters? I don't, but that, that shoot, Binghamton, Binghamton had the Devils for a minute there. They had the Rangers, they had the Devils. Yeah, goodness. Uh, NRD, anything else before we uh, before we bounce? Actually, yeah, so the uh, the Arizona State Board of Regents just finalized and signed the deal to allow the Arizona Coyotes to play at ASU for the next three seasons with a fourth-year option if Tempe is not ready yet. The only caveat is Tempe is not ready yet. <laughs> they don't even what have a vote. What an absolute fucking joke of they, a franchise that is. No offense to uh, I one of one of our fans NRD. God bless him. His he's uh, just he's like a, a Coyotes fan, and also a listener to the show. And he always DMs me. He's like, "Hey, I'm, I'm with you, but this hurts." I'm like, yeah. "I'm sorry. What yeah. do you want us to say? It's embarrassing." You know, it hurts like hell. It, it's not easy when you root and you have that passion for a pro sports team and then the, the organization, you know, treats the fans and treats the team like crap. I think that obviously the saga is not over, right? Because they get approval to play at Arizona State University, but the main building in Tempe that they're trying to get done is not approved yet by any sense of the means. In fact, it's not even cl- it's like it's, it's not like, even close. It's like, think- it's like saying that hey, our next door neighbor, we're, we could possibly put a rink there. Like yeah. here's here's a rend- a cool rendering. That's like that's how far it is. I think they're still testing the soil in Tempe, like to even <sighs> see if it's sustainable to like build. And I think they kicked it back to the team. They got like hype balloons up, testing how high the building's going to be. Like I don't even think we're even close yet to you know plans being drawn up logistically and realistically. But, you know, they'll be at ASU for the next couple of years, so. Hopefully there's, like, a, an endangered roadrunner species that they can't even, they can't build even anywhere near Tempe. <laughs> it's a nesting ground for uh, Wildy Coyote, the roadrunner. Oh, gosh. Well, that'll do it for us this week on the Cold Stove Podcast. Where can the folks find you, NRD? At NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. I'm not going anywhere, although I have been a little quiet recently and, you know, dealing with some stuff, but we're. Hopefully working out of the kinks and we'll uh I'll put it this ahead. way. Both NRD and myself have been on IR for various reasons over the last couple of weeks. Um I myself I told you I was gonna mention this earlier. I uh I took a dive into the boards playing Tuesday morning pickup hockey and saw my jawbone for the first time in the mirror. So that was cool. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I had a little had a little chin uh hanging off, if oh. you will. And poor Adam is is just Wants to puke right now. Uh, oh, he's going to. <laughs> That's too bad. Oh, man. But, hey, good show. We'll see you guys next week. Playoff hockey. Can't wait for tonight. Can't wait for the series to keep going. And uh, I'll see you later. All right.